Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. I got some Bible for that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We have a tendency to look at a bad situation and wait for times to get better before we decide to do better. Don't wait for somebody else to drop by and change it. Change the way you think about it right now. Don't look for the bailout. Make some changes where you are. And even if the times get rough, God will see you through. So I did it again. I looked at the lectionary passages and decided I didn't really want to preach that. I felt the Lord had a different word uh, for Faith UMC on this Sunday. Amen. All right. Amen. So uh, turn with me, if you will, to Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Starting with the 11th verse, and when you have it, I'd ask all those that are physically able to please stand. Again, that is Jeremiah 29, starting with the 11th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, For the time that is ours to share together, I want to talk a little bit about good thoughts in bad times. Good thoughts in bad times. I've been thinking about it a little bit uh, as uh, we've seen several funerals uh, be televised uh, this past week, one of which was uh, Senator John McCain's. And uh, Senator McCain, for those who may not have known, was a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. It's one of the worst possible situations you could ever have been in, being captured behind enemy lines and tortured uh, repeatedly for years on end to the point that even after he got out, his arm still didn't work right. Uh, But some of the things that I noticed about it is he had not only he, but other people who who have been prisoners of war and survived through it and people who have gotten through uh, various calamities through their lives. What they did to get through those calamities is change the way they thought. Amen. Uh, The way you think in a bad situation can be sometimes the difference between getting out of that situation and remaining in it. 
Uh, and so Jeremiah is sitting here in this 29th chapter of this book, writing a letter to people who are in captivity, people who have been pulled out of their homeland and have been taken to another place by a political authority, people who have been removed from everything that they known, people who have been removed from the area that they grew up in and forced to learn a language that wasn't theirs and forced to, uh, to learn about a religion that wasn't theirs. They are in captivity, but still trying to maintain their identity even though they are in a foreign land. One of the Psalms says, how can I sing songs in a foreign land? When we are away from everything that we knew, our mentality changes. Uh, see, there were at one time two kingdoms for the people of God, a northern and a southern kingdom. Uh, when you study First and Second Kings and, and Chronicles and, and a lot of the Old Testament, uh, you'll learn that uh, uh, 200 years before the passage I gave to you in your reading, the northern kingdom had been defeated by the Assyrians. And now Babylon has come in and taken over Judea. And they took some of the best and the brightest. Uh, you might have heard about uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. Uh, they took these. This is what was that time that was going on during part of that time. And took these people back to Babylon. And Jeremiah is writing a letter to those people. This is a letter to the people that have been exiled from Jerusalem. According to uh, some scholars, over 3,000 people have been taken up and moved into captivity in this foreign land from all walks of life. Those rich and those poor, those educated and those uneducated, those who were the priests and the prophets of the time and those who were not clergy at all. They've all ran into this trouble. So it didn't matter how much money money they had in the bank when they got captured they got captured it didn't matter how well, how many letters they had behind their name when they got captured they got captured it didn't matter what kind of clique they rolled All with right. when they got captured they got captured Amen. trouble falls on everyone no matter what walk of life you come from and if you have not gone through a storm at any given time just keep on saying good morning and I promise one will come your way. They say that there's only three type of people. Those going into a storm, those coming out of a storm and those in the middle of a storm and you're going to be in one of those three sections in all of your life. Uh, and so he wrote this letter to these people from all walks of life and it was about around 597 B.C. And even though these people were under captivity, for some odd reason, they were still able to send letters back and forth. The, the, royal, the, Babylon, the, the royal guard of the Babylon army or whatever you want to call it didn't see fit to intercept communications. So you could say that there were leaks. During this time, the communications were still going on. And this letter to Jer that Jeremiah writes to these people who are exiled and away from their home is to let them know that they need to understand their present situation. But not only understand their present situation, but understand that just because it's their present situation, it's not their permanent situation. Just because they're in the midst of the tire, the troubles right now don't mean that the trouble is going to last always. Just because they are going through something right now don't mean they're going to be going through something forever. How it is now is not how it will always be. 
Keep your head up. Keep pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. Yes, the situation is bad and right now, but when you finish crying, go ahead and go into the bathroom, wash your face, and go on and walk out and keep your head up. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep putting one step in front of the other. Why? Because the reason you're going through this right now is not going to be forever. I got some Bible for that. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We have a tendency to look at a bad situation and wait for times to get better before we decide to do better. Don't wait for somebody else to drop by and change it. Change the way you think about it right now. Don't look for the bailout. Make some changes where you are. And even if the times get rough, God will see you through. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 4 that you are of God, little children who have overcame them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Psalm 34 and 17 says that the righteous cry out, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their trouble. Psalm 91 says that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Philippians 1 and 6 says being confident of this. He who has begun a good work in you shall perform it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. So as long as Jesus ain't came back, there's still some work to be done. Yes, sir. Ah. We need to keep our head about these situations. Uh, when the troubles come and the trials come, uh, we need to be able to maintain our head. The first thing people say in an emergency situation is not to panic. If you're spending time panicking, you are not spending time working on making the situation better. Over and over again at the beginning of Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah keeps using the word shalom, which is peace. You have to keep your head about you if you are going to get out of the situation. Don't spend time flying off the handle. If you spend time complaining about the situation, you won't be able to fix the situation. Uh, we just got off a plane. We all went to, to uh, Indianapolis for my dad's uh, family gathering, I'll call it. And, and one of the things that they say over and over again in these situations, uh, when you hear the, the flight attendant on the plane talk about in the case of emergency, some, some air masks are going to drop. And they say, what? Put one on you first before you start helping other people. Because if you choking or you can't breathe under the pressure, how are you going to be able to help somebody else breathe under the pressure? You got to keep your head and then do something about it. Don't just spend all the time complaining. Uh, If you uh, spend all the time complaining, you won't be able to get anything done. If you spend all the time complaining about how there are no jobs out there, you are wasting the time that you could have been using to look for a job. If you spend all the time complaining about all these bad kids and this generation and you ain't spending no time with them in the neighborhoods, at the community centers, at your church, you aren't affecting the situation. If you are complaining about the political situation, but you ain't registered to vote and you ain't out here participating in the community, you are not helping the situation. If you don't spend time telling these people about somebody called Jesus, then you can't complain about why people don't come to church. Uh, We complain all the time about churches needing to grow, but how many 
uh, non-churched members do we hang around? I was reading a book called A Night by Dr. Uh, Nelson Searcy, and, it, and it, it, it was a stark look. It said, how can you take the evangelistic temperature of a church? And, and it's, I, I wrote them on my wall. It talks about how many baptisms have you done in a year? Uh, how many unchurched friends do you have? And do you invite them to church? And he said, if you don't have any unchurched friends, that's part of the problem. Ouch. Mm. How many times do you spend spend praying about the unchurched people? What are you doing out in the community to reach out to those people? And I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about us as Christians. Because the pastor can't do it all. We all got to do something. But then we complain when the church is empty. We complain about a political situation. We don't like how the city's being run or how the state's being run or how the country's being run. But even with the first African-American elected president, only 60-something percent of the eligible voters came out to vote. And if you don't want to do about something about the national, we can talk about the city of Dickinson. These people are winning by two and 300 votes. 18,000 people in the city and only 1,500 show up to vote. Is, is the microphone? Hello. Amen. Lights. Come on now. Tell the truth. Amen. We can complain about the present situation, but we ought to be doing something to fix the problem that we're in. Amen. And if we can't fix it, we ought to be doing something to make it better while we're there. Uh, And these people were in captive, and they could have spent a whole bunch of time complaining about what was going on. They could have spent a whole bunch of time complaining about how the king failed them, and why didn't they put enough money into the army to defend us, and I don't like the way this new king is treating us. No. Do something else about it. The current situation is what it is, but the question now is what are you going to do about it? Uh, So Jeremiah writes this letter to these people who have been captured and they're exiled out here in Babylon. And he tells them in in, in the first of the chapter, the first thing they need to do is comfort and to build. Uh, Verses one through seven, he tells them to build and plant and marry and raise children because you might just be in Babylon for a while. But don't let your present situation dictate your circumstances. You should be able to thrive and survive wherever you are at. Uh, We've gotten through redlining. We've gotten through political gerrymandering. We've gotten through a whole bunch of things as a people. We ought to be able to survive and thrive through this current situation. Uh, Don't let your present situation dictate your progress. And you think that the situation is bad and it's going to be bad for some not some time. But now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now is not the time to give up on God's work. Now is the time to fight. Now is the time to climb. Now is the time to work harder. Uh, Now is the time to go further. And if you don't see the glory before you go home to glory, uh, you make the situation better for those who come behind you. Uh, You are in the mix now. You have got to see it through. When you're up against some trouble, 
Meet it squarely face to face. Lift your chin and square your shoulders. Plant your feet and take a brace. When it's vain to try to dodge it, do the best that you can do. You may fail, but you may conquer. See it through. Black may be the clouds about you and your future may seem grim, but don't let your nerve desert you. Keep fighting, fighting, keep yourself fighting trim. If the worst is bound to happen, spite of all you can do, running from it will not save you. See it through. Even hope may seem but futile when the troubles you beset. But remember what you're facing, just what other men have met. You may fail, but fall still fighting. Don't give up. Whatever you do, eyes front, head high to the finish. See it through. See it through by Edward Albert Guest. Uh, These things we got to do, you got to be able to build where you're at. You can't just snap your fingers and change the situation. You're going to have to do something about it. Uh, and so he tells them to comfort, and he gives them words of comfort and tells them to build where they are. Then the next thing he tells them is not to believe the lying prophets. Uh, that's a, still before you're hearing. I read 11 through 14. He told them in 1 through 7 to build where they're at. And then he tells them in verses 8 and 9 not to believe the lying prophets, for they do not prophesy in God's name. Who is lying to you? How do you know that they are lying? What are you comparing it to? Ah, well, if a pastor's talking, I just wish we had some sort of reference, some sort of way to check what they were saying and see if it lines up with how they're doing. If there was just some way that we could check what the pastor is saying, I, I don't know. And is what the prophet's saying lining up with the word of God or is it just what you wanted to hear so you could feel good? Uh, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 that we need to study to show ourselves approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Ah, uh, rightly. Uh, we ought to show people come to church looking for revelation when we ought to be coming to church looking for confirmation. What pastors say ought to be confirming what you've been studying in the word. (laughs) Study the word. And and, and even though they were caught up in captivity, some of these people still had a word for them. So Jeremiah told them to watch out. Watch what's going on. Because there's going to be some people that are going to play on your emotional situation right now. They're going to play on these things that are going towards you and they're going to try to talk you out of these things and they're going to give you things that are only helping themselves. They're going to say things that only benefit them. Mm-hmm. Be careful because when you come to a time of trouble, that's when people can be most vulnerable. Every hand is not trying to help you out of the hole. Oh, amen. Amen. Uh, so he told them uh, to, to, to build where they're at. And then understand that, that there's going to be some people there that are going to try to take advantage of the situation, but you need to look out for them. Then he told them to realize that after some time, 
God is going to bring you back to the land and greatly prosper you. His plans for you are for hope and not for evil. Jeremiah is telling them how to get through today. But understand today is not the only thing you need to be thinking about. He is letting them know that they also have to think about tomorrow. And God has a good plan for them. He has a plan to hope and to prosper them for a future. And it's common for people to only see what they can accomplish by their own strength. If they cannot see a way to get it done that includes their own planning, their own skills, their own resource, then they think it cannot be done. But that kind of thinking, while some people may call it responsible and cautious and proper and even realistic, I call it arrogance. The world does not revolve around an individual's limited resource and finite imagination. There are other people that can help. There are some things that you are struggling with that somebody sitting on your row will be able to knock it out with your help. We can't do it by ourselves. Time and time again, I remember the Reverend Jamie, Dr. Jamie Clark Soul says you cannot be a Christian outside of community. I go through the Bible when it talks about the people working together with the help of God to accomplish something. And so we, well, we can't think about these present situations and say, I'm going to get up out of it on my own. I got it. And if I ain't got it, then it can't be done. Uh, we have the greatest resource available. We have the one who sits high and looks low. The one who's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should seek cause to repent. We have the greatest resource in God at our help, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit, says the Lord. Amen. Don't despair. But live your life under the blessings of the Lord. Pray and your prayers shall be answered. You can have somebody to hold on to and understand that it's okay. And when things get rough and you think that you can't bear it, there is somebody that will get between you. When your back is up against the wall, they will fit in between you and that crack and push you forward. Suffering is unavoidable. Matter of fact, there's really no long-term religion that I can think of that does not understand that concept. When you start talking about everything is pie in the sky and it's going to be great, yes, you are the righteousness of God. Yes, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Yes, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but we overlook that the fact that you still weep. And we overlook the fact that there's still a weapon that had to be formed and somebody had to try to use it against you. So times and troubles are going to come and we ought to be able to have something that we can hold on to to defend ourselves and hold us up and gird us up as we go through these problems. So the suffering is unavoidable and it is not some kind of punishment for something you did wrong. Understand that it is temporary. Understand that when you go through these troubles, God empathizes with you. Understand that and understand that it's okay to wonder why. It's okay to even get angry about the situation. God created the universe. God speaks and worlds are formed. He can handle your attitude. You ain't finna scare God. You ain't finna get him where he stopped answering your call. God still loves you. Uh, I got some Bible from that Romans 8 and 38 and 39 for I am persuaded that neither death 
nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. The one who has all the resources is available and wants to speak well of you. The one who has all these resources available has a plan for you of hope to hope of, uh, and a future to prosper you, not to harm you, no matter what's going on. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. Yes, he has these plans for you, the doorway to deliverance, the everlasting, the everlasting, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the good shepherd, the highway to holiness, Emmanuel, immortal, immaculate, and immutable, Jesus, the king of glory, the king of the ages, the king of kings, and the lord of lords, the most high, the name above all names, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, the one who is the perfecter and the prince of peace, the quickening one, the one that's got a quickening love, a quickening spirit, and a quickening love, the root and the offspring of David, the son of David, and our shepherd, the true vine, the one that they called in Acts 17 and 23, the unknown God, the victorious one over death, hell, and the grave, the way maker, the wonderful counselor, the word made flesh, excellent in all his ways, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We got a zeal for the one who hung on the cross and they pierced him in his side and put nails in his head and a crown of thorns on his head. We got love for the one who took all of our sins all the way to Calvary. But that's not where the story ends. He died and they put him in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to be there long. But he stayed there. But early on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. Will you be ready when he comes back? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come.